0: today on the bill kelly show on 900 chml less than a week now since the uh, provincial election and you know with the history of course now Ford got re-elected with an even larger majority uh the dust has settled the rhetoric has cooled off for a few days anyway uh but the problems uh, that they were talking about during their campaign promises are still here a, a good deal of them are anyway and uh well, let's talk about solutions here and going forward, uh, because there's mixed messaging going down here. And, and I guess maybe just to set up our conversation with our next guest, there was an awful lot of, uh, of rhetoric that goes on in every election, of course. Uh, and, and the spin seemed to be that, look, it, we're getting out of this thing there, you where know, the economy is going to start to buzz again. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of positive signs here. And, and I'm not going to say it's all not true, uh, but there's a lot of work yet to be done. And uh, nobody knows that more than the Ontario Chamber of Commerce who have been following this and and talking to their members and certainly talking to the government members about this. Uh, Rocco Rossi is the president and CEO for the Ontario Chamber, and he joins us here at the Bill Kelly Show to talk about some of those challenges. Uh, Rocco, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the
1: time today. Oh, hi, Bill. It's actually Michelle Eaton, uh, VP oh, is of Public it? I'm Affairs from the Ontario okay. Chamber of Commerce. I'm, okay. I'm subbing in for Rocco. How are you doing? Always a pleasure. I'm,
0: I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing fine too. Uh, well, let's talk about the, uh, the, the 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 concerns that we've got right now. Because you know, we heard some stories that, that were contradictory, of course, uh, that suggested that uh, you know, you know, we we can't even find enough people for the jobs. It's, the economy is starting to really rebound. And we're going on, and and it's it's not a dire circumstance, Michelle, like it was a few uh, months ago, I guess. But we've still got a lot of work to do here, don't we?
1: We do, and our our message is pretty simple: uh, grow the economy and do no harm. Uh, that's our message to the Ontario government, and I think, and we can dive deeper into some of these topics. But I think where the government needs to focus, and and we have seen. I mean, to give credit where credit's due, They ha- there has been a focus uh, in their last mandate on this, but addressing labor shortages, especially in the trades, we have an aging population, we have birth declines, we need immigrants to fulfill the labor gaps and, and we need workforce development strategies. Um, another focus area should be on attracting investments to grow the economy. So that means building the right infrastructure, whether it's transportation or energy planning to create jobs and predictability. Um, to provide and, and to provide companies really a line of sight to invest long term in the province, um, again, uh, for attracting investments, streamlining those regulations and creating, um, uh, cutting that red tape, again, going back to predictability and then uh, getting our fiscal house in order. I think that's part of part of growing the economy would be addressing our debt.
0: How can we convince governments about that uh, because even the, the the budget of course that the the government put down just before the election uh, then finance minister Falby, uh talked about the fact that hey the, you know the deficit's not going to be as large well that's because there was some they f- it's found money it's like finding change on you know on the cushions in your in your couch uh because gas prices went up and we all hate that but i mean that meant more revenue for the governments uh the the urge might be for them to go and say, oh, "Well, let's go spend this. This is great," uh, and that's a short-term thing. But I, I know when we've talked with you and and with Rocco about this in the past, uh, you've always preached. Look, at, you've got to think long-term investment here because if we learned one thing about the pandemic, it's that you know the economy ebbs and flows, and and we've got to have some sustainability there and some consistency.
1: Well, and and on debt, the, the continued challenges of COVID nineteen necessitated that significant government spending yeah. support businesses and individuals. Um, and so, so that resulted in a larger provincial budget deficit. Um, the province needs and does have a debt management plan, which is, is great to see. You see it in their uh, fall economic statement and their budget, uh, because that that path to fiscal balance uh, needs to be in place to protect taxpayers, our future generations. Um, and while, while support for those in the hardest hit sectors should still remain a priority, um, there's a lot of ways that um, the cost efficiency, uh, cost efficiencies can be explored, that's everything from uh, value-based procurement, alternative service delivery, um, digitizing government, which you've seen this this government uh, focus on, uh, reducing administrative burdens, pursuing lost revenues from untaxed economic activity, and uh, formal uh, po- policy on asset recycling. So. Um, these these types of measures will improve value for public spending, they'll encourage innovation, and support small businesses. And uh, and to I, I was looking at the the, the budget, despite the sizable spending, uh, because there is significant spending uh, that we're uh, committed to in the the budget that was introduced right before the election. A lot of stuff on you know jobs, infrastructure, um, but the the, the they had indicated in in that budget that the deficit is expected to decline beginning next fiscal year with a balanced budget by 2027-28. So that's two years earlier than initially forecasted in last year's budget
0: but there can be extraneous factors as you and i've talked about over the years uh that can slow that is the government married to that date and say this is what it has to be uh or if we have another dip which is possible i mean there could be another not necessarily epidemic but another wave of this we're told maybe in the fall that's going to have an impact on the economy is that going to have an impact on on those dates that they're talking about
1: well uh, potentially but i think one thing that um throughout our time working with this government uh, there's been a flexibility, um, a willingness to work with stakeholders in the business community um, and to uh, pivot when necessary. And we've seen uh, countless examples of that throughout the pandemic, um, which is which is a good thing. Um, so uh, we're really looking forward to uh, working with the Ontario government going forward on things like jobs, uh, big infrastructure projects, energy, things like that.
0: Well, and the other element about this, too, and I know it came up a lot during the, the election and, and a number of, uh, of uh, people that were watching and tracking this, uh, and I, myself included, uh, I noticed as as we went through this, uh, this government doesn't seem to be driven by ideology. They they seem to, to take more of a pragmatic attitude toward this. If we have to pivot, pivot. Whereas we've had past governments of all stripes uh, that have simply said, no, that's this is what our policy is. This is what my party believes. And I'm going to stick to this. And if it has an adverse effect, well, that's too bad. Uh, these guys are, are malleable when, when it has to be. And I, they, they seem to read the tea leaves and say maybe we, ha- we have to pivot and switch. And that, that's I think that's reassuring when you talk about that consistency. I, I think that means that a lot of businesses that are still struggling I probably more than, than never feel as if the government's got their back through this pandemic.
1: Yeah, there's been a, a lot of, particularly during the, the, and no one wants to say that you know no one wants to talk about how how government is uh you know uh become becoming more modern it's not the most uh you know sexy of topics but um there was a real level of you know taking that stakeholder feedback uh weekly meetings um throughout the pandemic that and probably most folks that are tuned in uh this wasn't on their radars where um stakeholders were invited to give their feedback and what the pain points were um so that government could pivot and create programs and typically programs take months if not years to develop in these call centers that the government would put together um, and they're flipping them around in 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 a matter of weeks Um, and we even saw you know when it came to um because i think this is a this is this key focus area for us labor and uh well, they're not new, like labor shortages. They're not new to Ontario. The pandemic certainly amplified them in several professions. We had in our Ontario Economic Reporter flagship report, over 60% of sectors are facing labor shortages. And you know, coupled with absenteeism due to workers being infected with COVID, this impacts service delivery, delivery product availability, economic recovery, uh, business growth. Um, so we've seen this government focus on things. So you've seen Monty McNaughton, uh, whether it's foreign credential recognition or um, uh, getting folks into the skilled trades. Uh, we've seen him partner with uh, people like um, minister Jill Dunlop who's the the minister of universities and colleges on getting in demand uh, the PSWs or nurses uh, fast tracking those so that we can get more into the economy so there's there's been some I I suspect that for labor uh, that'll be a continued focus for this government a few areas though um, like I mean we need more newcomers in Ontario and we need them yesterday uh, there, there's a, uh, uh, last I checked, there was a $2 million back or 2 million, um, uh, uh, backlog and applications. So this is a major problem on its own letter, let alone with the other dynamics at play. And then, you know, the federal government gives each province a set of allocation of economic immigrants uh, each year. Um, in 2021 in Ontario, that's 9,000, which is wholly insufficient considering all the available opportunities on Ontario for gainful employment. So, uh, this is something I know that. Uh, Mr. Uh, Minister McNaughton's called for um, uh, to have the the federal government double that amount that the actual need is likely much higher.
0: Michelle, what about the energy uh, situation here? Uh, and, you know, I know the government's made a commitment to, you know, to obviously to EVs and, and you know, the, he's talked about extracting the minerals up north. And, and, and you're not just going to start the road tomorrow. I mean, there's a lot of negotiation that still has to go on there. I get that. But that's going to put uh, some pressure on our, our, our current grid, of course. And, uh, you know, one of the driving factors, of course, with some of the problems that businesses have had was the cost of business and and, and electricity and hydro is, is part of that. Uh, there's been some talk now about maybe starting to look at nuclear as an option again. And I know there's uh, a a policy right now about decommissioning, uh, you know, what's going to be happening in Pickering. Uh, Do they rethink that? Uh, Because you don't want to create a situation right now that's going to create problems down the road for that, because you can't just, excuse the bad pun here, flick a switch and and solve the energy problem. It's going to take some forward thinking
1: here. Absolutely. After, after more than a decade of strong electricity supply, Ontario is entering uh, a, actually a period of widening shortfalls. So a demand for clean electricity grows. As, as it grows, um, resource availability will be constrained by the retirement of the Pickering nuclear station, nuclear refurbishments, and contract expirations for other resources. So having a, a plan to address those shortfalls is essential to ensure businesses can continue investing and growing in Ontario with confidence. Um, so right before the election was announced uh, uh, or the sorry right before the election it was announced that ontario was actually taking it was it was quite huge on uh, taking action on an integrated energy planning for the continued reliability and affordability of the province's clean energy supply so by launching the electric uh, electrification and energy transition panel so that's been going to be chaired by mr david Colley. so this is a, this is a good thing ontario's been a a world leader in tackling climate change by successfully phasing out coal and creating one of the cleanest decarbonized electricity systems in the world. So we we must just continue to plan for that next generation of clean energy um, because that helps uh, attract investment to the province. So when we think about growing the economy um, and the increased demand, having that uh, companies will invest in Ontario if they have that line of sight. So keeping their efforts on this is a good thing and we actually wrote uh, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce released uh, earlier this year, a report brief, uh, folks can check it out, OCC.ca, it's uh, a policy primer called Addressing Ontario's Growing Electricity Needs, something we created in collaboration with uh, our Energy Council, we have various councils at the OCC um, and it's a terrific report if people want to read more.
0: There are some uh, economists that are looking at the, the situations and the challenges, I guess, that you've just explained to us here, and uh, suggesting some, uh, well, out-of-the-box thinking, shall we say, on some issues. You talked about skilled labor and, uh, and trying to, first of all, you know, get people into this country that maybe already possess those skills and if not to train them a much quicker basis than we're doing right now and the government's talked about this too i mean this is not something they've turned their back on uh but they're talking about things like free tuition for some trades etc which is now it's not policy yet but i mean it's something that they may have to look at to try to expedite this because let's face it the economy is only as good as the people that are going to be working there to drive the economy and uh, it may take some some measures like that i know other jurisdictions have tried that and, and you've advocated for, you know, let's face it, a, a stronger collaboration between education and uh, government. Uh, and and you've, you've mentioned Marty McNaughton, of course, as the labor minister, uh, is talking about those sorts of things. I mean, he's been, I think, the, the, the head of one of the most innovative ministries over the last four years and trying to bring this along. Uh, and uh, what I'm hearing anyway, I, I wanted to get your read on this, uh, is they say all options are on the table right now. And that that's encouraging anyway.
1: Yeah, it's again, going back to that willingness to listen and work with industry. It's so important. It's important for for business predictability and some of the areas I think they could also uh, focus on because immigration is also under his portfolio. You know, folks in small and rural communities have real difficulty. I mean, in the GTA, getting access to your labor and talent is difficult, but it's really dire when you get into a rural remote and northern communities and one of the problems has been that um, a lot of times they they have to get labor market data to prove that there's uh, no talent available uh, to fulfill the role but a lot of times that data doesn't actually take into consideration that you know uh, a newcomer or, or someone uh, th- that they, they might not wanna move to Southwestern Ontario or Northern mm-hmm. Ontario for the role, right? So it's it's tricky. There's been some, both at the federal government and provincial level, there are regional immigration pilots that were introduced to fulfill these labor shortages. And um, they, they've been met with success and it helps folks get positioned in jobs into local uh, uh, rural remote communities. Um, they, they build um, they build a rapport with that community and then they can apply for uh, permanent residence. We think that these types of programs, like for example, the municipal nominee program, they're important for distributing the the benefits of economic immigration away from major cities into smaller under underserved communities. So, and rural communities are key to Canada's economy and social fa- fabric. So. Um, let's let's give them a leg up. Um, so we, you know, would love to see those types of programs either expanded or made permanent. And it's and, and it would be a nice way to make sure that there's less regional divides in Ontario.
0: And and you know, I'm, I'm giving these guys a pat on the back, and and I think they've earned an awful lot of that because they develop relationships with labor and with education. But even in that budget that we just talked about just, just before the election, uh, there were some long term reductions, shall we say, in education and in healthcare, for that matter, too, uh, which can be worrisome. And, and, you know, we just talked about them being flexible uh, about some of these things, and I, I, I'm hoping that they can you know, make those judgments as they go along as supposed to be tied to a, a policy like that. Because, I mean, as you say, there are going to be some downturns in the economy. We're not going to be able to just, you know, bingo, we're back to where we were before. And that's going to have an impact on, on an awful lot of those agencies as well. So uh, lots of challenges. I guess the good news here is that, first of all, uh, they seem to be listening, at least to this point. And uh, you'd Mentioned two or three times, uh, Michelle, the, the, the federal government has a role to play here too. And uh, it's it's good to know that it seems anyway over the last couple of years that uh, the premier and the prime minister uh, are, are work, have a working relationship. I don't know if they're ever going to go play golf together or anything like that. But there are other relationships, as we know, with other provinces in the federal government that are rather acrimonious. Uh, we don't seem to have that concern as of yet anyway.
1: No, that that relationship and that collaboration is so important when it, when it comes to... Our services, when it comes to key infrastructure, infrastructure was, was a huge, I mean, the, in the in the budget introduced prior to the election, transportation infrastructure, I think totaled around 160 billion earmarked for the next 10 years. Uh, so that's roads, bridges, things that create jobs, that grow the economy, things like uh, Bradford bypass. And, and a lot of that is in collaboration with the federal government. Um, it seems like there's a really uh, strong, productive working relationship there. Um, and we encourage that. I mean, that was one of the beautiful things we saw in the pandemic was that level of collaboration between all levels of government to to, to support Ontarians. And we know that for when it comes to healthcare, we can't. We learned this lesson uh, throughout the pandemic. You can't have a resilient economy or strong business community without um, a resilient healthcare sector. And that's, uh, we, we we also have a health uh, policy council at the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, which is, uh, and they've done incredible work, um, developing policy recommendations that we continue to share with the Ontario government. We're actually writing, um, we're working on, a, a, our, our own version of mandate letters for the Ontario government to uh, give recommendations to each ministry. Um, and there's there's a significant amount of them for uh, the Ministry of Health. Uh,
0: challenging times ahead, but uh, as I say... Uh... There are solutions that are out there and available and, and workable solutions, too. And, of course, the Ontario Chamber is always going to be there to uh, advise and and uh, move the government along in directions that they feel are going to be beneficial. Uh, as always, Michelle, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. And thanks for spending some time with us today. really appreciate it.
1: My sincere pleasure.
0: Take care. Michelle Eaton, Take of course, of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.